Hi guys, I'm André Villas-Boas, listening to Echoes of Glory. And don't forget, whatever happens, the future is bright, future is lily white. Come on, you Spurs. Hello and welcome to Echoes of Glory, Season 11, Episode 1. I'm Jack. I'm Chris. I'm ASD. And we have got loads to talk about today. We've got the Man City preview. We've got so many transfers to talk about. We've got Harry Kane to talk about. So let's go straight in with what is the biggest topic at Spurs at the moment, which is Harry Kane. Um, What have you made, firstly, of all of the goings-on, him apparently refusing to train, then him announcing on Twitter that, no, he's never refused to to do that. City, spend like money on Jack Bridge, can they get him? The messy stuff. Like, there's so many parts to this Harry Kane deal, if it happens. So, Chris, if I come to you first, like, what have you made, firstly, of the way that they've gone about it in the Harry Kane camp? Well, I think he's clearly had bad advice. It feels like what happens when you haven't got professionals doing this stuff. And I get that he trusts his brother and I understand why you'd have your brother doing it. But I think that's been problematic for this. I mean, I've I've tried to bear with me with this because it might not work, but just bear with me. Just think about it in Love Island terms, right? Mm-hmm. He's been coupled up since day one and he's now trying to couple up with the most popular girl in the villa. He thinks he's got permission to get to know her. But once he starts, it's not that clear cut. And guess what? The person he wants to get to know is also getting to know other people. And it's not clear he's going to get picked at the recoupling. So the popular girl isn't sure he's worth the hassle because his day one is is going to kick off. So he's back to who he's coupled up with, even though he's mugged them off. And the worst thing about that statement is the sort of the gaslighting of the day one of saying, oh, no, I didn't want to recouple with I didn't want to couple up with anyone else at all. So it's all going to be a little bit uncomfortable. But as with that Love Island, a few days go by and then people forget what's happened. So I don't know. I'm sort of of the view that he's unlikely to go. I think if Manchester City have spent 100 million on Jack Grealish, the market is then telling you how much Harry Kane is worth, which has got to be at least 150. I know they've there's been sort of talk that we're looking for 160. And I think on that basis, they're like they're unlikely to pay it. And then and I don't think I don't think Daniel Levy will make the same mistake and leave it till the last minute and then find that we can't replace him because we cannot go into the like go into the the end of the transfer window into September with with no striker. So that's my that's my thoughts on that. Yeah. Hey, Steve, what, what, what have you made of it? I mean, as with all transfers, there's a lot we don't know. There's a huge amount we don't know. Um, he I thought he's note was re his he is not his it is levy one came nil is is how i'm seeing it levy's just gone what were you talking about you know um you offer the right amount of money and maybe we can talk i don't really want to sell to a competitor and kane's gone i'm really sorry i've made a mistake here the, the problem with kane is he's not an, he he doesn't have the hard edge which you need in a football game but he's not nasty like you look at you, there's other players who would have tried to force that through, and they probably would have been able to do it. But he's just tried a little bit, and he's not gone. He's not gone for it fully, right? And so he's he's sort of he's half-assed something when he should have full-assed it, and he's he's really messed it up. Um, I think my gut feel is he'll stay for a year and then go next year. But he signed a six-year contract. Like no one gets six-year contracts. He's on a huge amount of money. Don't sign six-year contracts. If it and Roy Keane said it, doesn't he? He, he said gentlemen's agreements. I mean, what do they even mean if it's not in your contract? It doesn't doesn't mean anything. It's he's got a six-year contract which benefits him massively in such an unpredictable world for such an injury-prone footballer as well. Um, I think he needs to go and score a hat trick against City. He needs to do something because now everyone's just picking holes in him. Like how many times have you heard um, about? how much he hasn't performed in big games and semi-finals and finals and how much we don't need him and how much actually he forces us to play a single, a, a very specific way. People begin to lose that love, that mysticism about him. Now he's just, he's just a human. Whereas before he was a Spurs legend and he's, he's sort of messed that up a bit. 
you know. But you look how quickly people turned back to Modric, you know, like they really dislike Modric. But you remember he came on when he went when he wanted to. He said he wanted to go to Chelsea and they really tried to get him. And then I think Harry brought him on, didn't he, um, as a substitute in the game. And it was very much a right. We know what you've done. Prove yourself to us now. And he, he did for a year. I don't think there's going to be, I think if he plays, if he doesn't go and he plays, I don't think there's going to be any um, sort of audible backlash against him. Because I think what you hear on social media is very different or Mm. see on social media very different to the stadium. I mean, I remember there was one time where there was, I don't know, I can't remember who it was, it was Newcastle fans had planned this big campaign on social media and they were just like, this is going to be amazing. Like they had so much positivity and then like nothing happened in the 30th minute or whenever it was they were supposed to do it because actually those people aren't the people that are in the ground. So, so right. right. I just think with Kane as well, given the length of time he's still got on his contract, it's like he doesn't have any real power in it and it's like, if City aren't going to pay the money, and I agree with what you said, Chris, they just they just spent £100 million on Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish is a brilliant, brilliant footballer. He's not a £100 million player. Like, he's not. But it's like, so if they're going to give that for him, then it just puts Kane's price even higher, doesn't it? And it's like, Lukaku's going to go for, is it £115, £120 million to Chelsea? It's like, he's easily worth more than him. So it's like, realistically, it's just, it's not going to happen. And I feel like he has been really poorly advised, just given the length on his contract, it's like even next year, he'd have a little bit more leverage, but it's still two years. It's like it's not a huge, they've not got a huge amount of power with it. And it's, you do have to credit Levy in this scenario because that long term deal that Kane has signed as future proofed Spurs, because if we do sell him, he's going to go for an absolutely absurd fee. Um, and it doesn't allow us to have our pants pulled down by City, basically. And we don't have to worry about him going on a free transfer either. So I think it's, it's good f- from our point of view. If City did come in with 150, 160 million, would would you sell him for it? Would you want him? Obviously, no one wants him to go, but would you take that type of money for him? Yes, I would. I would drive him there myself because uh, no human being on the earth is worth 150 million in this type of scenario. I just, I just don't believe it. I know you can argue about how much revenue they bring in, but you have a look at the state of world football. Inter could be liquidated. These are. This is one of the look biggest. At Barcelona as well. I was Barcelona getting, having to get rid of all their players. Barcelona are getting rid of the greatest player to ever play the game. They might have to just cancel the transfer, like the the um, contracts of some of their players. Like it's it, but Barcelona um, made a five hundred million dollar loss last year, like five hundred million dollars, and their their current wages are. Now Messi's off. With Messi, I think they were 105% of total revenue. They're now 95% of revenue. And La Liga, the rule is you're only allowed it at 70%. So they need to get rid of people. Um, football's in... in I, I don't know how City are getting away with it at the moment. I know they're probably going to sell quite a few. They're going to sell Laporte, aren't they? Silva might go. There's a few players who might go. I mean, these um, are top players that clubs are having to get rid of. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, because out of choice, obviously Barcelona wouldn't be getting rid of Messi, but City surely wouldn't be getting rid of Laporte and Bernardo Silva. Surely. No. Like, and it's just, uh, the way these clubs are being run, it's just, it, you know, it's incredible. And the Inter Milan stuff, it's I mean, both their strikers could be gone by next week. It's just, it's yeah. incredible. It's global well, he, capitalism, though, isn't it? And I think that's the other point is that we haven't learned anything. If you look at like all the, I mean, I'm no expert, right? But if you look at all the stuff around the subprime mortgages and that big crash in 2008, mm-hmm. we haven't learned anything from that. And, and, you know, this is feels a little bit like the footballing equivalent. As I say, I'm no expert, but I imagine if I did some research, you might be able to draw some analogies. But in the meantime... You st- we're still seeing that money talks and you've still got like billionaire owners who can do this. I mean, the th- I think I'm finding challenging is I went to the game on Saturday to the Community Shield. And they're at Manchester City are absolutely desperate for a striker, desperate, mm. you know, and I know they played with the false nine and all the rest of it. But like they looked good. But they couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. Mm. And. You know, and I know it's a pre-season game and, I, you know, all of the rest of it. But actually, you could be looking at that and saying we need to make a concerted effort here to get our man because that's going to be the difference. Because, you know, he could score 40 goals in that team. Yeah, and that yeah. could be and that could be their champion, the Champions League win that that, that Guardiola has been waiting for, you know. Too much of football. Yeah, exactly. Do you, do you remember who was 
top of the league when at the turn of the millennium or from when it went 1999 to 2000 do you remember this it was Leeds was it Leeds yeah I'm pretty sure it was Leeds and do you remember they the pinnacle of Leeds was they because there's a lot of younger people listening who won't remember just Leeds were just one of the Premier League mainstays they were just always there and they got better and better and better and then suddenly they budgeted and they went out and bought a load of players. And the only way they could afford that and break even was if they won the Champions League with that team. And they didn't. And they crashed and they crashed. And they've only just got back in the Premier League. And obviously they look great and stuff. But it, it, it it's a bit like Spurs dropping out the Premier League, you know. And um, that that's it just seems that's the way football has been. It just seems to be they, they've bet on the future. And the future really, really messed them up. Really, really messed them up. And it's why people like Brentford are exciting. If you look into the story of Brentford where... I'm not sure if you read about it, but the wasn't the guy a professional gambler and then basically got banned from everywhere. So he bought a football club, but he's really, really used the money ball thing where he's bought players who would help in very specific areas and then sold them for lots of money and generally slowly improved his club. That is what football should be about. It's like um, the um like Moneyball, isn't it? The film. What, yeah, the I just said Moneyball, didn't I? What did, did I say? say Moneyball? I didn't hear that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you the, yeah. the problem with Moneyball is that everyone forgets, and you hear it in business a lot, but everyone forgets. He doesn't win at the end of Moneyball. He gets very close, but he doesn't win. But uh, yeah. but the theory the theory is still good. So um, the one that I saw the other day, that, that PSG are really pushing to get Messi. And if you've got Messi, Neymar, Mbappe, Mbappe with Verratti behind them, I just I don't know how you stop it. And... Um, they say that the reason they can go for it is they'll be out of financial fair play, but the next time they'll be looked at it will be next year or even the year after. Next time they'll be investigated because they've already been investigated. So they're just going to go for it this year, win stuff, and then just be punished later. It, that's That Don't seems disgusting got, to me. They've got Sergio Ramos on a free and Donnarumma on a free and one, one album on a free. It's like, you know, when you play FIFA for a football manager and you manage to just nick a load of free transfers, it's like that, that, that PSG team, honestly, even before Messi going there is a phenomenal, phenomenal side now. And if he goes there, I mean, they, you, they have to win everything, don't they? Like, they absolutely have to. Yeah. By all accounts, he was on the phone to Poch saying, come oh, and get God. me. What do you mean? The... I found it really sad the just the way that Messi left. Obviously, he had that nice press conference, but like some of the most immortal images in my head are, you know, Iniesta. Do you remember that picture where he sat in the, the centre circle of the Camp Nou and there's no one there and he's just like, he he's the king of Barcelona at that point. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. And there's that incredible picture uh, from a helicopter above the Camp Nou and you can see all of Barcelona and then you can see the Camp Nou and you can see a giant like Tifo of Xavi where they're saying goodbye to him. Messi deserves that times 10 for what he did. It's and... just a shame that he's not going to play his whole career there. Mm. You know, I know there's always been the debate of, oh, wouldn't it be great to see him in other leagues? And all that, that league is a brilliant league. Like I feel mm. like La Liga doesn't get the credit that it should. It's like people always say, oh, it's a nothing league in the bottom half and all that. It's like there are quality teams in La Liga and his goal scoring record in Champions League speaks for itself and it's just I don't know part of me is just like I feel like football's a little bit broken that he's not going to get to play his whole career there it reminded me of I listened to uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov the UFC champion and uh, being interviewed by Mike Tyson on the brilliant hot boxing episode and Tyson's one of my all-time favorite athletes obviously he's got horrendous out of uh, uh, out of boxing ring record um but he was a monster, right? And he was the best in the world, maybe the best who ever did it. And then he, he carried on going when he shouldn't have. Whereas Khabib stopped and Khabib will always be the greatest. Whereas Tyson, you, you can just see him getting beaten, getting knocked out by Lennis Lewis and the few other fights that he lost. And that's the way it's feeling with Messi. You could go out on a high. Obviously, PSG will be nice, but it feels like, I mean, it was worse when Xavi went to Qatar or wherever he went, when he literally went from Barcelona and he saw pictures of him a few months later and he's playing in front of empty crowds with players you've never heard of. And I get you're making a ton of money and I sort of respect it, but I don't know. This well, Iniesta is because... the same as well, isn't it? Don't, you know, he's out, but yeah, like they just... Their career effectively ends, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean with those players? Yeah, yeah. It's like, I worry that I still think Messi will be brilliant, but like it's not going to be the same for him either, is it? Like going there, it's like it's just not going to be the same. It's like it's going to be really interesting to see how it pans out. And like Pochettino going from a squad that's got Sissoko, Dyer, Winks, to <laughs> Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe ain't bad, is it? He's done all right out of it as well. So I will 100% be cheering PSG on in the Champions League, that's for sure. Well, yeah. Uh, sport yeah, well, washing, well, I, I'm not doing I, it. 
Spurs aren't in it, are they? Like, you know, so it's like we've not got any competitors. So, like, why not? That's you know, so... I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right with that, actually. So because you don't want to necessarily see an English team, considering who the English teams are. Mm. Um, talking of going to Qatar or wherever it was, I'm kind of sad to see Toby go to Qatar. We put a picture too. on Twitter, didn't even him in the kit, and it just didn't look right. It looked like a photoshopped right. picture. It just doesn't I would look have, right. got, you know, he could have. I'm sure he could have got. You know, he's still got it in him to play at a, at, in a decent league. Ajax. Yeah. Why didn't he go to yeah. Ajax? Yeah. I didn't get it. I, I think with with Toby that got to be money though, right? Yeah, but I also think that there there won't have been that many offers on the table, or not as many offers as what you'd think. He's given his age and what his wages probably are. There'll be a lot of sides that will look at that and be like, oh, he might be able to come in and give us a year or something like that. But it's like, you know, I don't te- yeah, I don't I feel it. like those type of deals happen as much anymore. It's like everyone wants to give someone a three or four year deal. And it's like signing a player that's clearly on the tennis, still a brilliant player. And he could have played for us this season and still probably been our best centre back. But are you going to, I don't know, if you're a, you if you're that, a side, oh. like, are you going to want to bring him in if you're a side in fighting for champions i don't know i think his wages and all of that it'd be it's a lot given the but financial climate we're in i think it's a i think his wages would be high his wages would be high i think the there is a space for that experience you look at what the foes doing in rangers Thiago silva going to chelsea fernando fernandinho you know winaldum like there there is valuable in those old value in those old legs but i know what you mean i i still think that outside the top three he could have in, improved any premier league defense including yeah. ours mm-hmm. And that that's no, it. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. disagree with that. I, but then on the flip side, I also think it's a good sell for us because we've effectively got what we paid for him about ten years ago. Do you know what I mean? We bought him for fifteen million, didn't we? And we've sold him now for twelve. It's like it's, it twelve. It's, you know, we've done a good bit of business. We have done a good bit of business there for sure. Uh, while we're sort of on people going away, have you seen who's the top scorer in the Chinese league at the moment? No. Oh, with nine goals, Marouane Fellaini. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. How many goals is scored if you take out headers, headers in the area? Which are so. definite fouls as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he he is one of the players. When we got linked with him, because we've been linked with him multiple times, where I, I would have hated seeing him in a Spurs shirt. It would oh, have, me too. It, there's not many players I would have just had. Costa is another one that just I just would have hated seeing him play for Spurs. I know he would have. I feel like, like at Everton, when he was basically playing up front, he yeah. was pretty good and he was like I felt like he was quite exciting to watch at that point and then it's like he went to United didn't he and all of a sudden he was like playing holding midfield it's just really really strange it's like he's a massive lump that's good in the air like you might as well stick him up top it's like I never yeah. understood this obsession with people playing him in midfield it's like he's not actually a great footballer he's no. just he's, he's massive he can hold it and he can score headers so surely get him up the far end of the picture that that would have been a that would have been a classic red nap sign in as well wouldn't it someone like Fellaini yeah. like deadline day that would have been a typical last minute panic signing yeah yeah have you seen the sort of ben foster's youtube channel the cycling gk have you seen that it's pretty good right oh right he's got a youtube channel where he's obsessed with cycling and so he talks about cycling but he also he did a quite good interview with danny rose last week it's only 10 12 minutes just talks to him and um danny rose talks about his pain you can see he's put on weight like he, he really has but he um, he talks about last year was the hardest of his career and how he's forced to train with him about how Mourinho and Levy just took and as I said he was surplus to requirements and wasn't given a number. But he really really enjoyed working with the under 23s. And Ben Foster says you can there's a lot you don't see uh, from players, but Danny just goes on and he talks. He's constantly talking to people, constantly telling people where to be and giving them advice. And you feel that I don't know. It just, sometimes I feel I feel like our transfer policy or the, sometimes we we. We we bin players off a bit too quickly because I think he's he's I still think he could have been useful, but we've got two left backs I guess. The thing with Danny Rose is that there's one thing that you could never ever in my mind question with Danny Rose and that was his mentality. He had an absolute desire to win at all costs, and I felt like we've actually the rest of the squads probably lacked it. I thought his mentality was brilliant. He got loads Mm. of stick, didn't he, in the documentary for basically having it out with Mourinho. Well, and I was like. Fair play to him. It's like, oh, yeah, I was impressed by that actually. Yeah. yeah. Ben Foster says, like, just so you know, that you have players who aren't playing have that conversation with the manager every week. So mm-hmm. that's that's a normal thing. I think the documentary, the more I watch of that um and Drive to Survive the F one one, the more you go, This isn't a documentary, like it's a real PR piece. Like it's it's yeah. really 
it, it, it we can't call it a documentary because it is just it's entertainment like on Tries to survive they uh which i know is formula one but it's brilliant it's really entertaining but they use like radio messages from the year before on the same race and they they so they show it so it looks like it was from that race and it's the same with this like they the way they cut it the way they present the information as if it's the truth it's really unsettling to me did i tell you i got interviewed twice for that what which which one the 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 the, the spurs amazon documentary i genuinely thought i was going to be in it at one point yeah so i know so the first time was when we did the um, the Rainbow Laces game and me and Lee and Helen Richardson Walsh, our patron, did the halftime, um, the halftime interview. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so they interviewed, they like filmed us in the, waiting in the tunnel, going out, having a little pre-match with Coity, just a, like a little bit of, you know, there wasn't a huge amount in that. But they came all the way to Altrincham when we had the when we went at the Football vs Homophobia Awards because Ledley came with us as well. And we won, you know, I won an FVH hero, um, Spurs won the Professional Game Award. It was the inaugural awards. Um, we came second in the um, fan groups. I mean, frankly, I think, you know, I, I still don't understand why we didn't win. I guess it was so they didn't give us a hat trick. But anyway, not that I'm bitter or anything. Yeah. Um, and they did like a long interview with me outside. They interviewed Ledley. Like, it was a proper thing. I had to like that night I had to sign a release and stuff. Um, and it never made it. I always think if we hadn't, it's another right. reason why I don't like Mourinho. If we hadn't, if we hadn't sacked Poch, it would, and it was a normal season, it would have been in there. The one thing I do think though is that they're doing Arsenal this season, don't they? So yeah. I reckon Arteta's not going to last past <laughs> December. <laughs> they're just going to call it nothing for that one. Yes, <laughs> um, ASD. You know, I I woke up the other day and I I, I went, ah, oh, I totally forgot that. Chelsea won the Champions League like and that it's an awful feeling and I just totally forgot in the 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 height of the Euros you just forget and then you go at least Mourinho is not our manager anymore because it was so miserable at those times yeah. fans well, fighting. Did you, have you seen that he got sent off in a pre-season friendly for Roma it's, like, prick. it's not setting the tone fantastic like at least with us and we won't talk too much about this but at least with us like it started out like it was going to be different do you know what I mean? This is game one and he's been sent off. They've lost 5 2. Like... <laughs> Didn't the players get sent off as well? I mean, it they already went down looked to nine men or something. Yeah, yeah. they went down to eight. Eight, eight. Yeah. friendly. Wow. Winning mentality, though. Oh, God. A dinosaur. He's a busted flush man. I cannot believe people still hire him. This has got to be it for him, surely. Yeah, yeah I think he's done. He's completely done after this. Um, speaking of people that look like they're completely done, Tango and Dembele wasn't even in the squad at the weekend um, for the Arsenal match. Nuno said that he's not injured, but he's just not yet available to play. What do we think the future holds for Ndombele? Can you see him staying? Right, so I bumped into someone I used to know. Well, not that I used to know. I still know him, but he was like an old family friend, right? So I've known him for 40 years. And um, he was like, oh, I've got a ticket from Tongi today. I think he's mates with Lucas. So he was proudly telling me that he got a ticket from Tongi. And I said, well, where is he? And he said he's in France. Which apparently he's not and he's been back and he's been training. But that's what I didn't understand, how somebody who's been given a ticket by him could think he's in France. So I don't know what's going on. I think that we hold on to players for far too long. And despite what you said a minute ago, ASD, about Danny Rhodes, I think we're too, we're too soft and we give players too long. Like, look at Lamella. Do you know what I mean? And it's like talented player, not but he's at the club for Endembele's been at the club for two years. And it's like he hasn't it's the same with Lacelso in my mind as well. It's like been at the, the club two years, they haven't cemented themselves a place in the first team. And I'm still not sure with either of them where they play, which just sort of says it always like it's the same, it's like the Pogba syndrome for me. All incredibly talented players, but where do they fit in? And Lacelso and Undenbele are, are two more for me, but I just can't see how Undenbele has a future now because he wasn't with the France national team, um, so he's had time to get himself ready for pre-season. He's, he's not played in pre-season, so it's like he's he's not going to be ready, is he, for the, for City and the the upcoming games we've got? So I just I can't see I can't see how he has a future at the club now either, which is astonishing because. There's, again, there's no question in the guy's talent. He's one of the most talented midfielders I've ever seen. But 
just being talented doesn't make you a good footballer. And I just think his decision making on the pitch is is horrendous. And it's like he's got the ability to go past the play and play an amazing pass. He does that in in our own half. It doesn't it doesn't affect the game enough for me. So I'm interested to see what happens there. But the fact he's not been involved at all just makes me think: How can he? How can he have a future? Yeah, it's sad. Yeah, a talent. I'd I'd argue because talent has to include the application of that talent, and you can tell he's just this. There, there's a point where having this sort of languid style goes over into not giving enough. Um, but see, I counter that, I think, because I feel like he, he, there's a reputation with him that he's lazy. And I don't think he is at all. I think his style of play, and he's a very, very intense footballer. And when he gets the ball, everything's intense. He runs at people. like He, make, he tries to make stuff happen all the time, which is a brilliant trait. And I think playing like that and being such a direct midfielder, I don't think you're going to be able to last 90 minutes. Right? I just don't think it's possible if you start. You never see him get the ball and play a, a ball out to your fullback and just retain possession. He's always thinking, how can mm-hmm. I get into the centre forward's feet? Which is what makes him the incredible talent that he is. But his decision making and game awareness for me is just not there whatsoever, which is what lets him down. I I mean, this this might seem naive. I'm not sure he's been he's had a run at anything. Because he's he is super talented and I think I mean I might have got my dates my dates mixed up. Like we knew that with at the beginning of the poch, you know, when he first arrived, that he was going to need some time to kind of get in with the team, acclimatise, and all the rest of it. And then he got Mourinho'd, which we know wasn't any good. And now and now here we're, here where we are. But I'm I'm worried about the fact that as you say that because we're here and you've got another manager who's not doing that. But again, he is very talented and he's you know we get glimpses of the kind of player he could be and he is the kind of player we need because he can run past people, he can retain the ball and he can find a pass and he can score. So, you know, if you can harness that kind because those players don't come around very often, if you can harness that, but maybe that's the point is that, you know, like as you say, SD, there's an application point as well as a harnessing point. I don't know. But I mean, I'd like to see, I'd like to see us try to be fair. I yeah, just think, if you, sure. if you think about Undumbele, right, if you compare Undumbele to Frank Lampard, right, und, und, just, just, just hear me out, just hear me yeah. out, Undumbele is probably better at football in every single aspect than Frank Lampard is. Yeah. Technically, this, like, is my, this is my application point. He's, yeah. he's better than him, but, but that doesn't mean, like, Frank Lampard was a technically limited player and there'll be people going oh my god but but he was but he knew exactly what he was good at and he knew how to read the game of football and that was what made him such a fantastic player whereas Undumbele is the other end for me I think the other thing with Lampard I mean you know and I appreciate I've got lots of these stories but I had a really good conversation with a cab driver who whose brother was a coach at Chelsea or a youth coach at Chelsea or something do you ever have a normal day (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what's a normal day jack and, and actually i won't forget this conversation because he basically said that he wasn't really good enough to graduate from his class of scholars but because he was frank lampard junior and because he worked really really hard to make up for the fact that he wasn't technically that talented you know he did manage to make a great career for himself i mean I don't want to overdo the point because he could shoot, he could pass short, medium and long. He could tackle. He wasn't the quickest, but he could run like, and he could read. He, while he might he might have developed like slightly later than Michael Owen, he was still a fantastic player, right? He was still a fantastic technical fo- footballer. Like, I, I, I just want to make the point, like, I, I quite like Fat Frank. And uh, I, I don't know. There's, um, tell you what, I, I, you, he he was being slagged off, wasn't he, on Talksport? You seen that? Where and he phones him in and holds him to holds him to rights, okay. which I thought was really good. Um, what's the point on Endombele? What do you want to see happen to Endombele? Like, what, I'd love what to see what... him be a starter. I, I think he could be really good. Like, I think as part of a three, he could be really, really, really good. And he, maybe he doesn't need. To, it, he feels like one where you need someone who's emotionally capable because he is obviously yeah. in his head a lot. And there, there's not just that, like, he's not Hoiberg. He's the opposite of Hoiberg. If you put Hoiberg and him into the, like, mixed 
in Dombele's feet with Hoiberg's brain, you'd have one of the best players in the world. You might have Messi. Like really, you might have Messi, but you don't. Um, Hoiberg's fast becoming one of my favourite players as well, by the way. I know that thing with Arteta where he, uh, he slid um, and Arteta had to go at him because he almost slid into Arteta and Hoiberg was like, you're not in your technical area, get back in your technical area. But yeah. Hoiberg, you just listen to him. He's just a leader. You listen to every conversation with him. He's just committed. He's just driven. And I, he's, he, you would not fail but to just be inspired by him and want to follow him. I think Can I Hoiberg's say before Hoiberg talent. as well? No. What a brilliant, brilliant player. <laughs> what a, what a brilliant, no. brilliant player for Oliver Skip to plan alongside oh, and learn him yeah. from. Like you could, there could not be a better person for him there. And it's like, hopefully that is only going to accelerate his career. Well, because Skip's looked brilliant in, uh, Skip's looked brilliant in pre-season as well, wasn't he? And it's like, he's come back and it, with his injury as well, he looks fit, he looks ready. And it's like, I really like the prospect of having those two in there for right. the majority of next season. But Let's I think that's it. exactly the point, though, is that they need someone like Ndombele. So watching yesterday, they were good. You know, you want them both in the team, actually. You know, Skip was picking out a really nice pass. You know, now that we haven't got Toby knocking those diagonal balls, Skip can hit those. And obviously, you know, I, you, frankly, Hoybier's the first name on the team sheet practically now, right? Mm. But... They need a bit of creativity mm. or someone who's going to drive in a different way. And I mean, Hoiberg could do that a little bit. I mean, and so can Skippy, really, but not in that way of like that kind of player. The one thing I didn't re- re- see yesterday, and I, no one could tell me. So anyone who's listening, if you know the answer to this, unless you two do, who was captain once Hugo came off yesterday? So oh. no, there's no Kane. Where does the arm Hoi- I thought it was Hoiberg. Was it Hoiberg? Okay. I, think, I thought it was, yeah. That would make sense. I mean, you know, that makes sense, right? <laughs> On Skip, can I just, he played really well in a championship team and he's played quite well against lower league opposition and in, in pre-season friendlies. I just want to manage expectations because I don't want to build him up to be the next big thing. Obviously, he's a good player. But I do it because calling it, him a flat track bully, ASD. No, I'm just saying, like, he's done really well in the opportunities he's been given, and the opportunities he's been given are six and seven out of ten. And if people go and expect him to be nine out of ten and he doesn't deliver on that, that's not because he's a bad footballer. You know, he's, he's, he's a young man learning his trade, that sort of thing. I also think, as well, the nature of the position that he plays is that he's never, do you know, he's not the type of, the same as Hoybjerg, they, they have good games, but like, they're not goal scoring or crap, do you know what I mean? Mm. So they're never going to get the limelight, it's just the, the role of uh, uh, that they play. Yeah, and um, you often notice when they have poorer games, a bit like a centre-back, yeah. and so you've got to be careful with that as well. Yeah, a lot of the work they do is when the camera isn't on them, and it's shape and position. Yeah, yeah the biggest compliment is that you don't really notice them in games. That's exactly it, and I, I I get what you I get what your point is actually about he's played in the championship, but honestly I don't think there's a great deal between the top half of the championship and the bottom half of the Premier League anyway. So half the teams we're going to play this season, I think he'll be absolutely fine. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Like, he could go on to, but I genuinely I, I he's one of the young players at the club that I'm really excited to see him and Tanganga. I feel like I always go on about Tanganga, but. Those two, for me, have just got to be given a chance. There's all this talk about him going to Galatasaray, isn't there, Tanganga on loan? And you just think, that he, I can't think he said no. I think he said no to that. But he came off He came off like limping yesterday. Wasn't it preventative more than anything? Was it? That's what, that's what yeah. I read. I would love a full-on second team for the ESL and for the League Cup. Like I'm talking like Galini, Davis, Sanchez, Dyer, Rodon, Tanganga, Skip. I think the worrying thing is ASD. Quite a lot of them are going to be in the first team. <laughs> I tell you what, I like the look of Galini. Just, I mean, like for also for comedy reasons, <laughs> like he's really vocal, and you could just see he's got like that slight sort of goalkeeper eccentricity, yeah. let's say, yeah, yeah. about yeah. him. But honestly, you could really hear him yesterday. And I know sometimes you can hear Hugo, but he was talking the whole time. And then you, I like that in your goal. I like that in a goalkeeper. Mm. I think, you know, you want them to be talking to the defence and organising them. And that's the other thing yesterday about Dyer. I know that he has his, his critics, but um, he is, again, very vocal, organising the back line, making sure that they knew where they were supposed to be. You know, so I, you know, I, I, I hope that, I understand he's not going to necessarily be first choice, but I hope that there's a place for him because I think he's a good professional. I think there has to be for Dyer. I, I, like, I think you, it's it's not like 
it's not a video game where you can just get rid of 15 players. I mean, all the, all these guys that we're saying are, that are not quite good enough, we, physically you can't get rid of all of them in the window. And it's like, I've always said, I don't, I don't mind Dyer. He's not the best centre-back in the world, but you, I feel like he's the type of guy that will, that sort of will accept that and knows that he's maybe going to be more of a squad player. And it's like yeah. the cup games and what he does bring. Everybody that, that has been involved with Dyer has always said like he's got a winning mentality and he does lead. And you do yeah. need a bit of that, especially if we're saying that we're going to give some of our younger players more of a chance. The likes of Roden, Sessegnon, Skip, Tanyanga, they're going to make mistakes this season and cost us games. They, they 100% was guaranteed with a young player, especially if they're a defender, that they will make mistakes and you'll let goals in. And you need guys like Dyer, Hoiberg, Kane, um, that are going to be able to pick those young players up after they make those mistakes. It's like if you just have a team that's not got any of them, it's going to be really difficult for some of them. Dying. Yes, because what was the picture yesterday uh, from the game of which one of our players had his arm around uh, Bukayo Saka after the game? Dyer, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. Well, let's not forget, we finished seventh last year and we're in the ESL, which is really embarrassing in many ways. You know, you even have a look at the teams in the Europa League, it's really embarrassing that we're there. But we're there. And Dyer is perfectly placed for us. We're not in the Champions League positions. We didn't challenge for them. We're the seventh place team. We're dire if in our heads. Who's, who's seventh place? West Ham. Do we think of Newcastle? We think of us, Villa. We're dire, do we, in our heads, do we think Dyer should be there? Yeah, well, he's fine with us. We, we've got a lot of games to play and he's, he's flexible and he's got a great mentality. I think you have a look at Romero. We haven't even talked about Romero. Somehow we've signed one of the best centre-backs in the world and we love a centre-back at Spurs, like an amazing centre-back. And it's also great to see Dorse back. You know, love Dorse. That picture of Dorse and King uh, meeting, Having talking about... Beer, wasn't it? Oh, <laughs> like that, so many happy memories. Oh, so I was at the um, oh, official supporters club. <laughs> I was at the official supporters club Legends Night the other night, right? On Friday night. And uh, at the end, so it was a really great Q&A with um, Gary Mabbott and Lady King. Like, really open. Gary Mabbott's got, like, brilliant stories to tell. It was really good. And then at the end... They were there for everybody for to sign stuff and take photographs. And obviously it was also um, there were also a few drinks were um, were consumed. So there were a few people that were just like go, kept going to the back of the queue and just like asking for another picture and ask, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then there was one guy who was like, phone Dawson and tell him how, how pleased we are. And actually to give Ledley credit, he did ring him. He didn't answer. <laughs> He didn't answer. That's great. Or or he pretended to, to be fair, because yeah, yeah. it really was the end of the evening and the woman who was organising it was saying to that one particular bloke, go home. <laughs> it's like, but Ledley said he phoned him, so maybe actually didn't phone him. But, you know, so they're obviously like really good pals still, like truthfully, which is really nice. So yeah. you kind of want to see that and that they'll get to do stuff. But also that Dawes is um, on Sky Sports, which, again, in the Proudly White's WhatsApp group, which I know we talk about a lot here, Everyone was delighted because there's a lot of uh, feeling that it's very sort of anti-Spurs or there's no, there's no decent sort of Spurs pundits. Because, you know, mm. like whenever you're watching Arsenal, you know who you're going to get. When you're watching Man United, you know who you're going to get. When you're watching Liverpool, you know who you're going to get. When you're watching us, you might get Graham Souness. Mm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so um, there was a lot of people were pleased about that. So and I think you'll be good on that. So that's, yeah, good but to see him back on, for sure. Just on Romero, like... I can't say I've, I've seen too much of him play. Obviously, all the experts are saying what a brilliant signing it is. I'm just happy that we've addressed what is have been a problem area for quite a while, and we've gone yeah. in and we've said we believe in this guy. We're going to get we're going to get him in, and we've done it. Uh, we've done it red for Spurs relatively quickly as well, because um, normally that would be the type of deal that's a deadline day, and you know then he's yeah. not fit and all this stuff. So I'm just pleased that we've addressed an, an area that has been a big problem for us for a, a good eighteen months or so. He is recovering. Yeah. yeah, he's currently he's recovering from an injury. This guy's 23. He won Defender of the Year. He was voted Defender of the Year last year in Serie A. That's above Chiellini, you know, who's one of the greatest warrior defenders ever. Took Atalanta to a Champions League position. You know, he this this kid is. I I don't know why he's here. I don't know why mm. he's at Spurs. It fit. I it's really confusing that he wants to come to Tottenham unless he really believes that there is a project where it's we're a going to be director as well, isn't it? There's the influence oh, yeah. there. Like that, what a signing he's been. That, that is like, it's like a cheat code. On, we just got mm. access to a bunch of players who not only mm. have we got access to, but who he's making them want to come to Spurs. What yeah. is that about? Mm. 
it, it's great. Maybe in Italy they haven't. Maybe he's going. Yeah, you're going to play for Man City, and then they just he just hijacks them and takes them to Spurs. I don't know what it is. I don't know why they're coming to Spurs. And I'm not having a go at Spurs. I just we need to remember where we are. We're not in the Champions League final anymore. We're you know just above mid table, and that's fine. I, I'm so happy we signed. But Atalanta and... is, you know, Spurs is better than being in Atalanta. And again, if you can, if you can do that with Atalanta, then surely, you know, and you've got someone like Paratici who understands yeah. our the brackets. Area. Yeah, we're yeah. at the bottom of our bracket, aren't we? We we can only yeah, go up. Yeah, really. so actually, it's a really exciting. There is an exciting prospect there. If we get yeah. it right, there is something exciting potentially going on here. And yeah. I, I just hope as well. Like we talk about centre backs a lot. I still think we need another centre half. It's like we've got some good young players there, Roden, Tanganga, but I think Tanganga will probably get more game time at right back. I still feel like we need another another defender. If we could get rid of Sanchez and get another one in, I think then that's, from a defensive point of view, we've had a really, really good window. Um, mm-hmm. We're still obviously short in a few other areas. Um, we haven't spoke about Brian yet either, um, who's our, our attacking signing. Um, but... It feels like it feels it just feels like a logical window so far. Do you know what I mean? It's like how many times do do we see this with Spurs where it's like there's a clear problem and we just don't identify it and we just go and buy a player in another position. You think, oh, every window we really need to do that. Every window is like that. Every single window is like that. So maybe we get Martinez now, um, striker from Inter, which would be incredible. They're talking about 60 million euros, aren't they? So it's like. You know, well, they they still owe us like fifteen to twenty apparently. Um, so and I've heard lots of people saying we'll never do that if we don't sell Kane. I don't. I'm not convinced by that because I think we're probably bank. We're probably rec- sort of recognizing that we're going to have to get rid. That he'll only stay a year, as ASD said. So actually, why wouldn't you get somebody who is then really raring to go next season and has like a decent season? You know, and is able to bed in and all the rest of it, particularly if it's someone that's not from the Premier League. Yeah, I'm really excited for the season after this one because this is a rebuild. This is just let the dust settle, maybe get Kane gone next season or whatever it is. But this is a this should be what's we'll a transformation because finally, like we still go back to 16, 17, and we're finally getting rid of that team. Like who's left? Son, Delhi, Hugo, and then Dyer Sanchez, but they're not first team. I wouldn't say. Like that's crazy to have them still there, but I think they're the pick of the bunch. And Kane, obviously. Um, so and Brian, Brian should be back by now. Good silver medal for uh, for Spain in the uh, the Euros. Can the I Olympics. just say with with, with him, um, I was scrolling through Twitter the other day and it was like, oh, this is what Brian Gill can do. Um, look at what he's doing for Spain. And I watched it and it's him in the Olympics final, whatever. Like going past two men having a shot and he's like going over. And I was like, I was expecting him to go in the top corner. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, okay. it was the most biggest anti-climax of a video that I've ever seen. I was like, oh, okay, brilliant. Um, but look, he he's a player that's going to be one for the future, isn't he? Like, and it's good that we're, you know, buying that type of player as well. Like, we're fixing the team immediately now with the holes that we've got, yeah. and then we're thinking about actually what do we need in a year, in two years' time. So I think it's good business. And obviously, we've got we've got rid of Lamella as well, which again is equally as important, if not more important, to be getting rid of the players that we don't want yeah. there. Um, and I just think it's, you know, I think it's good that, that we've managed to get him off the books. Absolutely. And look, like I, I went yesterday and we were set up well. I liked, you know, it looked like I know that some of the there's been some kind of concern that we might be set up defensively, given the way that it looked like Nuno's been known to to play. But like we were set up well, we were, you know, we were, we were looking for, you know, we were looking to kind of be positive and and mm. move forward and all the rest of it. And so I, th- I thought we looked good. I thought we looked good. I love Mora in, in these games. He plays exactly the same in every game, like very, very, very direct, very, very quick. He's got a very good ability to go past a player, hasn't he? Just to, it, from a standing still, just with rapid speed. I, I kind of love him as well because he's just committed, isn't he? I really do like that. I still wouldn't have him in the first, in the starting line. I oh, mean, neither. Me neither. I wouldn't have him anywhere near it, but I, like I think Lucas he's a backup Mora, player. you know, like, I feel like I feel like he's he's a very he's predictably unpredictable and mm. like he can have games where he's brilliant and then he'll go missing for three or four games. It's like I think he's he's a great player to have in the in the squad for sure. Um, and you know if you want to play a a direct high pressing style of football, he's, he's pretty much tailor made for that. So oh, um, I expect the first like five six games I expect him to be 
quite a quite a big player for us because he's been he's been playing pretty much every preseason game, hasn't he? So you'd expect him like at the weekend against City, you'd expect him and Son definitely to be sort of leading the attack. Who else is going to be up there? We're not quite sure at the moment. Um, but Can yeah, I, I like Lucas Moore. Kane's there, trained today. He's back with the team on Thursday apparently. So small window, but he should be back. So he needs to go and score a hat trick. But Mora, he played some great through balls, which we haven't seen before. The problem is, is it's a bit like the Danny Rose thing, is he'll never, ever, ever be better than that game in Amsterdam. But that's mm. what we'll always remember him for. He could do nearly anything and we'll always have that, which is the greatest Spurs moment in my lifetime. You know, if I was a little bit older, I'd have, you know, Gaza's free kick in 91 and then not much in the early 2000s. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then Danny Rose's goal. That, I'll never forget that as long as I live. So... Whatever he does, I don't mind. How are we feeling about the the City game at the weekend? Because I watched the Community Shield and I thought they were pretty average City. Granted, they didn't have a lot of their first teamers um, because they've been involved in the Euros. But part of me is like, maybe maybe right at the start of the season, not the worst time to have to play City. That's what I thought when I saw the fixtures, to be fair. It's like, if you're going to play them at all, play them at the beginning of the season because it's always weird right at the beginning and there's always like a weird result and you know so you know I, I I wouldn't be surprised if we actually beat them convincingly and then went on a really bad run <laughs> I, yeah there's nothing that would surprise me about that game <laughs> there's yeah. nothing there's nothing at all we could do anything but we, I've, I get we seem to be their bogey team. Like De Bruyne is carrying an injury apparently, and he's out in that place where he has to make a decision now about whether to be out for a few months. And you have to say, just do it, just get it done now. Yeah. And so yeah. maybe they'll protect him because he I, he could be the best player in the world this year. He's, the stuff he did in the Euros was that goal he scored. Like I can't remember against the team, but in the group stages where it comes back across the the box and then he pings it in with the left foot. He's just an unbelievable player. He's and so how much, talented. He's so talented. Chelsea, how much have they spent buying back players that they've got rid of? I, that can't be allowed. <laughs> like, there, there needs to be some mad, isn't it? Because who, who, you get fired for that, wouldn't you? Imagine you went and, I don't know, sold they've your cooker. They've already fired them all, though. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, it, the, the mad <clears> thing about it is, is that when they sold him the first time round for... 30, 35 million. He was a great striker then. He was yeah. like, because I remember when Everton got him and everyone was like, wow, like how have Everton managed to get him on a permanent? And it's like, they're now playing three times that. He, he's not three times as good as he was back then. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's just always been a good striker. He'll be a brilliant signing for Chelsea. He will score bundles for them. He's a really, really top centre forward. I'm quite nervous about Chelsea going into the new season. I always flip between seeing their side and thinking, oh, they could be really good, and then being like, but the Chelsea model is that they have success and then they'll have six months where it's horrendous. They get rid of their manager and the new one comes in and then they win something. Mm. So it's like the Chelsea model suggests that actually they'll probably struggle first half of the season and then they'll come back and win two trophies in the second half of it. I think they're going to win the league, as much as I hate to say it. Cause, think? Yeah, I mean, if City get Kane, maybe it changes, but City at the moment don't have a striker and look pretty average. Liverpool haven't done anything for two seasons. United, United look decent. <sighs> I'm not sure they do though. Like they, they just there's so many weirdly average players. I'm not sure, but Chelsea. I think, they... I think if United got went and found a really good central midfielder, I think that that is a side that could definitely it challenge. Could, but it, but you go Chelsea, they don't concede anymore, and suddenly they're about to get a, a striker who can score against any team. What? What are your what are your hopes and expectations for us then this season? If we're saying that you know the, the the usual suspects will be at the top, what where do you think we will be come the end of May? I think we'll be fifth. Wait, who have we got? We got Chelsea. I go Chelsea, City, United, Liverpool, us. I think we'll finish very far above Arsenal. I think they're distinctly Leicester. average. Yeah, Leicester maybe. I just Leicester made it. Villa have made some really decent signings Villa as well. Right, yeah. But like Everton, do you remember how good Everton were at the beginning of last season? Then they dropped off, and that Rodriguez stuff is crazy. He didn't even get into the team for Colombia for the South American um, Cup. So you reckon about the fifth? What, what What do you think, Chris? Do you think we'll be there or thereabouts as well? I think I think ASD is probably right. I think my heart my heart wants us to to. Well, my heart says fourth. But I think probably fifth or sixth. Yeah. But 
also we've got a new manager you know breathing a little bit of life into into some players that have had a difficult 18 months you know I know the world's been difficult for 18 months but we've had a particular and we've got some really talented players that we can't underestimate that and somehow if you get them gelled you know if you get them gelling and working together you never know and he looked good yesterday Nuno looked relaxed because I I sat in a different place I sat in the west stand and I happened to be literally just where um Ben Haynes and um and Paul Miles were doing the interviews and I know Ben a little bit so I messaged it I took a picture of him and messaged him and he's like come down so we had a little chat and so I happened to be standing there just as Nuno came up and he looked relaxed couldn't hear him of course because it was far enough away but he kind of looked relaxed and you know since watched the interview and yeah that's kind of what you want to hear of him and I like the fact that, you know, he's he's taken he's there and he's going to like I'm going to do this properly because you can see in that any it's hard, isn't it? Right. Because you could see that you're not first choice. Mm. <laughs> so imagine you go into your job and you're like they literally wanted like six people before me or whatever it was. Jack but nonetheless. Yeah. But nonetheless, he's you know, you can see he's the boss and it's great. Yeah, he looks like a manager, doesn't he? He just looks like yeah. a manager and he is not going to be on the front and the front and the back of the papers every day, which is great. I just yeah. I think he, I just think he's a good appointment. I think he did a really, really good job at Wolves, and I don't think he gets anywhere near the credit that he should do for taking a side from the Championship to being a really, really well-established side in the Premier League that never and looks you're... like... Yeah, it took him into... Was it quarterfinals to the Europa League? Like, mm. on a relatively small budget, the recruitment was brilliant, like... You know, there are a few question marks about the style of play, but you, you know, you can only work with what you've got, really, can't you? And so I just think he did a really, really good job there. And more than anything, he seems like a good bloke. And it's like, you know, you, I might be questioning that if we're getting tactically outclassed most weeks, but he does seem like a good guy, and it's like you want that at your club, you know, like with the circus that we had with Jose, it's like you want to go back to having a guy that you think actually like he's here for the right reasons. And Nuno definitely strikes me as that. I agree with both of you in terms of league position. Um, I just hope that with sort of like 10, 11 games to go, that we're still in the hunt for a top four finish. Like, yeah, I, I don't expect us to, to get it mm. by any means. I think if we finished fifth, I think that would be a really, really good season, just given where we've been the last two years in the league yeah. and where a lot of sides are going. I think if we've come fifth, that'd be a really good season. I'd obviously want us to be trying to get back into the top four, but I think at best we we could mount a top four challenge this year. Um, but a lot of it, for me, does rest on the future of Kane. And it's like, if he stays and, you know, something, a miracle happens and he signs a new deal or and he's rejuvenating, all, then who knows? Because with Kane and Son and potentially Martinez, as a front three, you're going to yeah. score goals. You are yeah. definitely going to score goals. Um, but I, I, I'd probably agree with you, fifth, sixth, round about there. It wouldn't be surprised me if it was even a little bit lower than that, just given that it is a rebuild with a lot of young players. But I feel excited for the season. You know, normally okay. we're doing this, and if we're all predicting fifth, sixth, seventh, you'd be a bit like, oh, it's not going to be a great year. I'm excited, honestly, like to see the young players play, yeah. new manager, to be able to get back to the stadium as well. It's just going to make such a difference. Um, I'm not going at the weekend because I've got to get my second jab done, but I'll be there for the Watford game in a couple of weeks' time. And it's like, I, I just can't wait to get back there and just, like, be a football fan again. That's it. It's just a normal season. I'd quite like no crazy results. What I'd love is just a solidity. Like, I, I don't want that 3-0 up against West Ham and coming like losing 3-0. I don't want to be battered. I just want to to turn up to every game. That's what I'd love to see, like, and, and a bit of a plan. More than anything, a bit of a plan, a bit of a positive style, a bit of solidity at the back, creativity up front, good goals, and something to cheer for, and to see the fans back and United. And There's so much to be positive about. Brian, I'm really excited to see Brian, <laughs> Romero, Tanganga, Skip, Sessegnon being back. Like, the, We're going to see a lot of players who are like new players for us as well, like new signings for us, and that's really exciting. It's, it, it could be a wonderful season just for the, the evolution of Spurs and as a context or a juxtaposition above of what we've seen over the last two years, which has been pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. um, any other business before we close? Oh, I did have something. Nothing interesting. 
Sissoko, there's lots of chat about Sissoko maybe going to Turkey. Apparently AC Milan have had chats with him, so... I mean, that would be crazy. Sometimes I do not understand how some of these deals happen, where you've got these players that are just going nowhere, and then all of a sudden, um, Chipper Moting. You know the guy who couldn't get a game at Stoke? Yeah. And he's gone to PSG and Bayern since then. It's like, how has that happened? There was that fellow who scored the hat-trick against us for Bayern in that awful game. What's his name? The ex-Arsenal player. That was crazy. Nabry, and then suddenly he's just turned into world class. Surely the weirdest one is Polinio going Spurs, China, Barca, China. That was the great. Seven Prince Boateng rocked up at Barca, didn't he? But as soon as you say Paulinho, I think of Boateng. But he's, he was well, decent for a while. I've got the best out of him, yeah. I don't know, you know, like... His goal for Milan against Barca is one of my favourite Champions League goals ever, where he, he sort of does that back heel control through yeah. defenders' legs and then smashes in. He was he was world-class that day. Can we, yeah. Have you got a favourite Messi goal? Just while we're here, because we have to talk about Messi. Is it, have you got a favourite Messi goal? Mine, mine is the one where they're playing Bayern and he sits Jerome Boateng down. Because that that was, I think, a quarterfinal or a semi-final, and you don't do that to like a world-class defender. Wasn't like, that game like locked at nil-nil with about ten to go, and didn't they score twice in like five minutes or something like that to to kill him off? Just disgustingly good. He scored um, a last-minute winner at the Bernabeu in a three-two win against Real Madrid, which is one of the brilliant, brilliant Clasico derbies. And it was the and the ball. It, it's not an amazing goal, but it's just the timing. And it's just like the ball gets played back. I think it's to Rakitic who steps over it and Messi just bends it in from 20, 25 mm-hmm. yards. And then, you know, obviously last minute winner in a derby. Um, but, you know, was it, didn't Barca do a video where they showed all of his goals and it started at like 11 p.m. and finished at like 7 a.m. the next day because there, there's that <laughs> many goals to go through. Well, did you see that? I think I posted it. I think I told you guys. Let me find it. Uh, don't want to be a downer, but he doesn't pay his taxes, so I'm not interested in him. Um. Where is it? Oh, this isn't. But, I mean, Lionel I was Messi. lucky enough to see Messi play. I remember going out to Barcelona a couple of years ago and seeing yeah. him playing, scored four in a game, and it was just, I've just never seen it. I've never seen uh, any kind of top sports person be so far above the rest. That was, yeah, the yeah. Most, that was the biggest thing for me, is that you watch all sports, and obviously you go to football, you go to cricket or whatever, and there's players that obviously are stronger. But seeing him, it was just like... It was just, he was just playing in slow motion. It just looked so easy for him. So Lionel Messi has won 35, 35 trophies with Barcelona, which is over 36% of trophies Barcelona has won in its entire 122 years history. And he scored 671 goals and assisted another 267 in 778 games, meaning he was responsible for one in 11 goals in the history of Barcelona. <laughs> Almost ten percent of all goals. I mean, that is incredible. (laughs) That is incredible. He should still pay his taxes, though. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, look, it's great to be back podding with both of you. Fingers crossed that the season starts off with a good result against City at the weekend. But remember, whatever does happen, future's bright. Future's Lily White. Come on, you Spurs. I always thought there was very, very many people interested in football, and I always thought that football was a very important game, but I never realized until today just how important it is. Whether the Wonder Boys of White Hart Lane are or are not the team of the century can't possibly be more than a matter of opinion. Well, they're the finest team in Great Britain, and one of the best in the world. We are about the glory of the game. We are about playing with style. We are Tottenham Hotspur. The curve of the ball, the billow of the net, the beating of the trap and the picking of the lock, the swiftness of thought, the lightness of touch. We are Ginola, Greaves, Klinsman. We are the collective gasp, the intake of breath, the flick, the trick, the 30-yard free kick. We are Hoddle, Mabbott and King. We are the lob, the chip, the dummy and the volley. We are the hat trick, the scissor kick. We are Bill Nick. That is schoolboy's own stuff. We are the outside of the boot, the inside of the net, and those seconds that last forever. Van der Vaart to level it up. 
Rafael van der Vaart, 2-2. It's quite a game, isn't it always? We are Jennings, Defoe and Perryman. Glory past, glory future. What was, what is, what's next? We are Blanchflower, Ardelis and Bale. We are about winning with a flourish. We are about winning with style. We are about the glory of the game. Daring to try, daring to risk, daring to dream. To dare is to do.